The start of a new iPhone generation is upon us with the release of the iPhone 14. And these iPhones may be the most important models for Apple in recent history. We've got the new iPhone, and we'll talk about why they're so important in this episode of the Macworld Podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Roman Loyal, uh, here with Jason Cross. Good morning. And Michael Simon. Hello, sir. The iPhone 14 started shipping last Friday. We've had the phones for a few days now, and we've been working on reviews that we'll post on Macworld.com in the near future, so look out for those. Uh, but we're going to share our impressions of the phone on this show. And Jason, uh, when I use the iPhone 14 Pro Max, I feel like I have the future in my hands. I know that sounds kind <laughs> of overstated, but I kind of do feel like it's the beginning of something. I don't want to spoil the reviews in case this podcast comes out before my review, but that's that's literally kind of what I titled my review. I didn't mean to steal your uh, thunder. No, it's a good, it's, I'm just in violent agreement with you because I called it the, um, a glimpse at the future of iPhone. And that's what it feels like to me. That's a loaded term. I, I feel like Roman wrote something similar, maybe with the iPhone 10. I could be wrong about that. But but the iPhone 10 was the first time like things really changed for the iPhone. So without what in in your like in your experience, I I have the Pro Max as well, and I'll talk about it in a moment. But what what in your that was the closest analog. I don't think it's as nearly as big a shift as the iPhone 10 was. But when they introduced the when they introduced the iPhone 10, they had just finished introducing the iPhone 8. And it would say one more thing. Tim Cook said one more thing. And then they skipped nine and they did 10 because it was the 10 year anniversary of iPhone. And they set it up as this is the next 10 years of iPhone. Mm-hmm. And the main things that it was giving you was that all screen front with the rounded corners and face ID with the true depth sensor for an emoji and stuff like that. Those were the biggies. I mean, it was otherwise an iPhone 8 plus, the specs wise were right it was yeah, a design the, the, change the but those designs such, yeah. yeah but those design changes changed the way you used your phone you didn't mm-hmm. press the home button to go home you had to swipe up and it, like there were all these swipe gestures and so i feel like between dynamic island and the always on display we're getting for the first time since then we're getting a oh we're changing the we're, we're giving you new things that changes the way you use the iphone mm-hmm. and they're so good and useful and not complicated that this is going to come to define the iPhone going forward. Like iPhones are going to be like this. And I hope that the dynamic Island thing comes to all the phones next year. I can totally see them keeping it as a pro thing for a little while, but they did not do that with the iPhone 10 stuff. The very next year they had the 10 S, but they also had the 10 R for 749 and it had full screen display and the, touch ID, uh, face ID and stuff like that. So it's possible that we get maybe not the always on display or something, but at least the dynamic Island that may, if that comes to all the iPhones next year, cause it is super going to be copied. Everyone's going to copy it. It doesn't just look cool. Like it does cool, useful things. <laughs> the rumor this week already is that, um, um, Ross young, the CEO of display to supply chain consultants, who's pretty on track with display stuff. 
mm-hmm. did say that the iPhone 15, all four models will be getting the dynamic islands. But he didn't say like orders have been placed or anything like that. Well, so sure. I would take sure. it with a grain of salt until if he's saying that in the spring, by then Apple's making display orders and stuff. Sure, sure. I, I agree with that. But he's usually pretty, he has his ear to the to the ground, so to speak, with this stuff. And he also said in the same breath that it won't be getting promotion and it won't be getting always on either, which makes sense. I mean, the always on is a little bit annoying that you have to buy a more expensive phone to get that. But um, the promotion stuff I absolutely get. Apple's had, that's been a pro feature forever on the iPads, on the Mac now. So that that makes sense. The promotion stuff absolutely makes sense. And, and you can even look at Android phones and they usually differentiate product lines by 60, 90, 120 hertz. Like that's that's fine. The always on stuff I'd like to see to come to the come to the iPhone. Yep. The, the non-pro phones, but uh, Dynamic Island, I, I agree with you. Promotion also includes variable refresh rate though. Yes, that's true. And so they you can't have it always on display and keep it at 60 hertz all the time. You're going to kill your battery. So they'd have to kind of split that now. They'd have to have like better ProMotion, like ProMotion Plus that goes to 120 and one that's just, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Or or just turn it off, I guess, which would also be weird. But then, yeah, so for the always on display, it'd be, it'd be strange, yeah, to have that on the non-Pro models. Unless they just want to give us ProMotion. Like, do it. Maybe give us another different reason. But anyways, so that's, Roman, is that what you're thinking when you feel like it feels like the future to you is is the those same kind of two things as you guys know we always say these are revolutionary whatever and until the next revolution comes with, with these <laughs> yeah. tech products so you know like 10 was revolutionary so to speak and now this is and you know it's always that way yeah always on display obviously android phones have had that for years on even cheap models like it's kind of weird to get an android phone that doesn't now like you have to look <laughs> <laughs> um, but in typical Apple fashion, when they come really late to the party, they do it in a very Apple way where they're like, ours is a little bit different, <laughs> you know, it's a little nicer or whatever. And it's st- their main thing is that it shows still shows your your wallpaper. It's basically the lock screen, but just very dim. It's I mean, it's essentially the lock. Screen. Right. And it's the, they dim the your lock screens like wallpaper more than they dim the time and widgets but it is dimmed and they massage the color vibrancy so that you can still see the color because normally when you really dim your screen the color just gets washed out to nothing you know so they change it a little bit so that you you still have a color photo but other than that it it does a lot of things that the uh, Android phones all do, you know, it turns off when you put it in your pocket or a bag or it gets even dimmer. Like if it's the ambient lights really dark, like good Android phones, if you have it on your nightstand and all the lights are out, like the always on display would be really bright and annoying, but it gets even darker. Phones have done that for a while, but Apple does a cool couple cool little tricks. Like if you have a paired Apple watch and you step away from it far enough, it'll shut off the always on display. Cause you, cause it knows you're away from your phone and then it'll turn it back on again when you just get close. That's a cool little trick. Not a big deal, but it's a cool little trick. The thing that impresses me, not impresses me. The thing that I find interesting is that it's not just for the lock screen. There are like four apps that have always on display modes. It's like Apple maps, the Apple TV remote, voice recorder, something else. 
the ones I read about were Apple TV, which I which I tried, and it's great. Um, Maps, phone, and voice memos. Yeah, and when you're on a call, and for Maps, it's when you're using directions. Otherwise, it just shows the lock screen. But the cool thing about those is it's it's not just showing the same screen you get in the app and then just dimming it out. It actually has a special, like, always on display interface. Like, you're recording a voice memo. It goes, your screen switches to the always on display or you hit the little power button and you get a completely different interface that's like big and shows like less stuff and really big with just like a stop control and everything. So I think that's really cool. That's the kind of thing I'd like to see more of. I hope that in a future iOS update, there's a framework for developers to do this kind of thing with their apps, right? Agreed, yeah. And that's that's the sort of thing you don't see on the Android phones. Unfortunately, these are not the kind of apps that everyone uses. Outside of, I think, directions in maps, it's not the kind of stuff everyone uses every day. Well, the the remote is something that I would use more if it was always there. Like it's to, to pick up the phone, to press the, the thing on, to turn it on, to unlock it. Like that was always a process. Like if I could just let let it sit on a table and it works and it's always there and I could just use it, that's 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 different. Yeah, and the, the call stuff, it's nice to see. You know, when your screen blanks out that you're on a call and the like call information, it's 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 fine, but not a not a huge deal. And I don't believe it's any app that uses call kit. I think it's literally just the phone app. It's literally just like those four apps from Yeah, Apple as far as I know. Do it. I mean 16.1 will bring that live activities for the dynamic island, and you know, you gotta assume that maybe not within this, maybe not with iOS 16, but with iOS 17, maybe there'll be some kind of a developer tool that they can tap into. Uh, Apple often does that. They lock it down and then they open it up a little bit gradually over, over the course of the next few generations. They certainly did that with a lot of Apple Watch features. So, so yeah, so they're doing the always on display right, I think. I th- think it has an impact on battery life. Uh, not a huge one, but... I, I haven't noticed a change much in a couple of days that I've been using my... I have to. I went from the 13 Pro Max to the 14 Pro Max, and I don't think it's it's any appreciably better battery life. But I don't really notice it to be dropping any quicker either. So our tests, Roman and I testing battery life, we found a little bit better battery life in both the Pro uh, and Pro Max. Yeah, and that's our battery life test is like constant 200 nits, looping a benchmark the whole time. But I think that benefit is eaten away by the always-on display, and it kind of ends up being the same. So I think at the end of the day, you're going to get the same battery life with the always-on display turned on as you used to get in the 13 Pro with it off or Pro Max. Okay, sure. I, I think they're I think they're sort of canceling each other out. Um, some of it also depends on your ambient light. If you work in a bright office and that always on display will be brighter, it'll eat more. I work in a cave and it's down low all the time. So I have to admit, I'm not sure I like the always on display. I have still haven't figured out if it's because I don't like the implementation or I'm just so used to the old way of never having it. It definitely takes a bit of getting used to. My wife got the pro. Like she, she kept saying to me, "How come my my phone looks like I got a notification all the time?" But that's that. That's what happened before, where the, the screen would light up when a notification come. You'd kind of peek over, 
And then now, like you look at your iPhone, it's always doing something. So you, 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 we do need to get used to this, the fact that our our phone screen is always on and it's brighter when a notification comes in. And then you know. it is more of an always on display than all the Android always on displays are, right? Because it's it's literally your display is always on the same way it is when it's on. It's just dim. <laughs> But it, yeah, it takes some getting used to. I think the fact that it shows the still shows your photo or your wallpaper or whatever that tricks my brain more. A little bit, yeah. If it if it was more visually distinct from when it's active, then I would know at a glance more. So it's gonna that's gonna take some getting used to. Yeah, I wonder if they'll have a toggle in iOS 17 show wallpaper image, hide wallpaper image. Like I wonder if they'll do that or just say no. or even show a different wallpaper image so i know it's in that mode because i there is a thing where like i look at it and go i am not sure i can tell the difference whether it's it's definitely different like it's clearly dimmer like even the way the as jason said before the way the colors are saturated in vibrancy like it's completely different than a color display but it does look like like i'm looking at it right now and like i can't tell if i got a notification and it just dimmed or if I, you know, so like I got to get used to the, the process. I wouldn't mind if in the same way that you can set, tie your custom lock screens to different focus modes, giving you different lock screens with different widgets and fonts and notification look and all that stuff. I would love you to be able to tie one to the always on display. So it's like, here's my lock screen, but here's my always on display lock screen. And it can be... So a, a different um, image or not an image. It can have the notification count instead of the stack. It can have a different font for the clock, whatever I want, different widgets. And that's always when it goes to that dimmer, always on display mode. That would be kind of a good solution, I think, to letting them think. You still have everything. Just let you pick a custom lock screen that kicks in when the always on display kicks in. Yeah, I can see them doing that now that they, you know they we never thought they'd unlock the lock screen as much as they have in iOS 16 to begin with. True. So I could absolutely see them doing that, and I like the way it. It's, 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 I do and I don't. So I like the way if you have the bedtime or sleep focus, not bedtime, mm -hmm. the sleep focus, it turns off to always on display. Yes, which is which is good if you're in a dark room, but then again, like. If you look over in the middle of the night and you want to see your nightstand, like it's not there. <laughs> There's a, a trade-off yep. there. Yeah. But that's a that's a smart feature if you're if you're using because you know, generally if you're sleeping, you're it's a dark room, you're, you know, maybe someone else is with you and, and it shuts it down. It does get even if you like say turn off the sleep focus or something, if you're in a dark room, it gets really dim. So it's not blaring at you. Like it's mm -hmm. They did this with the Apple Watch. They got this figured out, right? When you put your Apple Watch yeah, on a stand. Right. right. I, yeah, I think they do a, a pretty good job with that. Um, it would be nice, like you said, to have that as an option you can turn off. But all in all, I like it. Um, way overdue, but it's a good implementation. The, the first the first crack at it is, is, is real good. It looks nice, looks slick. It works well with the new lock screen. I'm glad they're kind of in tandem. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's solid. This is, I think it's going to be way more interesting in a few months when live activities have launched and apps have released updates that include it and stuff like that, because yeah. then you'll have more of a reason to glance over and see a full notification. 
Like it, it that way, imagine you're following a sports, you know, thing or something like that. And it's your screen is quote off. It's in your, it's always on mode. You can just glance over and see an up to date score because it's showing those notifications. I think the fact that it shows notifications now, the, your stack of notifications is, uh, it's just preemptive. It's just before its usefulness isn't there because the live activities isn't there. You also need to look directly at the home screen because they're, they're locked. The notifications are locked. You know, like you can't see them until you, until you, the phone recognizes you're looking at it and then it unlocks and then it, it brightens. Yeah. Up. They show their, they show their locked view, their limited information view. Yeah. Right. If you have that enabled so that it doesn't reveal like personal information, but you can see what they are. You can see, oh, I've got an iMessage and it won't show you the text of it until you unlock. But I agree that the live activities is, that's an important bit that isn't there yet, particularly with the, with the dynamic island. Like right now, it, I mean, it's cool. the things that it does are cool. The timer, mm-hmm. the, oh, the the now playing music, the the phone stuff. It needs to do more, and we know it's going to do more, which is what makes it a little bit frustrating right now because that's not there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, who was it? Uh, Parker Alatani. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm butchering his name. He 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 did a Twitter thread over the over the weekend where he showed like how the digital, the digital, the, the dynamic island should be working with Siri, should be working with notes, with calculator. And I absolutely agree. Like it should be doing more of the things that like Siri is a perfect one. When you hit the Siri thing, it should be in that little dynamic island. It should expand if you need it. It just seems perfect to me. And it, yeah, it would be a good, it could put, it could pop down exactly the way the face ID yeah, thing does. Exactly. That would be a good. And calculator is another one that could pop down, you know, if you, if you minimize it and I, I don't know. Things like calculator and notes and stuff like that, I can see why they don't do that. And I don't want them to do that because it's not a shelf to place apps that I may want to go back to. It's a place where that says, this is running in the background. Like this is doing something right now. Like calculator is not updating if it's in the, if it's not my current app. It's just sitting there waiting for me to go back to it and notes and stuff like that. So those things, I don't, I don't want to go there because that breaks the sort of design principle of it, which is these things are going on right now, but it's not the app that you have up. Uh, well, what about notification like messages, for example, do you think they should, cause the phone, when you get a phone call, it goes in the dynamic island. That's the only app that really does that. Everyone else is the normal notification banner. And I don't like would, would a text message popping into that little dynamic thing and you tap it, the little thing comes down. No, because it's not reply. ongoing in the background. Like if you ignore a text message for a while, like I always do, or you get one and you didn't know, do you want a thing? It's it's now it's a notification badge that's persistent on your screen because I picked up my phone and I got after an hour and I got my, and I got a text message and now there's a thing in my dynamic mm-hmm. island. So again, that's not just a thing that on goes in the background. So I can see why they wouldn't do that. Does a phone call stay? I, you know, I'm never, I, I didn't, I didn't. But phone calls are persistent. Call. That that's happening. That's a thing yeah, happening. So, in my but background. I mean, if, if you enjoy, enjoy, if you, <laughs> if you ignore it, does yeah. it go away? Does the little, the icon just disappears? Yes. It's just like your AirPods connecting or something like that. It's just like the phone is ringing. And as soon as it stops ringing, it goes away. So it's like, here's a thing that's happening right now on your phone. Yeah, so little toasts like your AirPods connecting and stuff like that, that those pop up. It'd be good to see more of those kind of things, maybe supporting other devices, other Bluetooth devices and stuff like that. 
I think it's relatively complete in the sense that anything that uses call kit or the now playing interface automatically uses it. Like a lot of apps didn't even need to update. I am 100% convinced that there'll be expansions of what it does over time. There's a 0% chance Dynamic Island doesn't get richer in iOS 17, <laughs> but it's already on a, off to a really good start considering that what do you got, live activities isn't out yet and mm-hmm. all of those will appear up there or can appear up there, I should say. Mm-hmm. And that's the next big thing is like, I called an Uber and it's on the way. That's yeah. not something that is ongoing in the background on your phone, but it is something that is going on right now that you want to keep track of and it can put it up there. So I think it, I think it works out pretty well or it will when live activities launch. Yeah. With digital Island, we, we are seeing some dynamic Island, I guess. That name is so digital Island. I'm so, I don't know why it's such a, I I just don't like the name at all. I don't like that. They gave it a name. I'm tired of saying it. It's a great feature. I'm glad they gave it a name because otherwise I wouldn't know what to call it. Yeah. (laughs) Like we're going to write about it. Right. Yeah, it's very it's very Apple. The name is like it's like so Steve right. Jobs, and it's like five <laughs> syllables. It's gee, I'm tired of my mouth is tired of saying those words. And every time I write it, I don't know if I want to call it the Dynamic Island or just Dynamic Island. There's there are no thes in Apple Land, but uh, we're starting to see some creative uses of it, mm-hmm. at least on Twitter. There's one, I don't remember who the developer's name, but he created like a little Tamagotchi type uh, creature that shows up on the, I'm going to say the pillbox. <laughs> That's the Apollo app for Reddit. The Apollo app, yeah. Right. They have little, uh, Chris, they call them Christian, Pixel Pals. Christian Selig or Selig is the guy's name. Yeah, it's 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 adorable. It's not really in the Dynamic Island because you can't do that yet, but it like kind of walks around no, no. it. Yes, the idea is he walks back and forth and like sits there and up top, and it's just in that little tiny gap right, the between the dynamic, it's like eight pixels the, wide or something. Yeah, in in the I don't know the pixel straight. What are you going to call it? The <laughs> channel, channel. Yes, the pixel, pixel channel. channel. And someone created like a breakout type game. Yeah, yeah. It's or not pong, really a game or breakout, whichever. It's yeah. a, like a, more like a demo than a game. Yeah, um, it's called Hit the Island, I think. And yeah, yeah you, you're trying to bounce the ball up into the dynamic island, which looks like a it's that pill shaped thing. So you have a bar at the bottom, and you're trying to hit it. I'm curious what other apps will do this sort same sort of thing, where it's like you can't directly develop to the dynamic island. You just have to use frameworks, and then the OS does its own thing. But they're assuming its existence and doing stuff around it. And that's kind of like a slick idea. I wonder what other apps are going to do stuff like that. Right. There's going to be apps that like the the whole app is just to run in the background and do dynamic island stuff. Like you'll put it on your phone, but mm-hmm. you won't ever have a reason to open it because like the point is to keep it closed and do background stuff, I'm sure. I don't know what those are going to look like or what they're going to do, but I have to assume someone somewhere is going to come up with some kind of a, like, like, well, like the digital pet, maybe it's an, it's, it's a dummy app and all it does is kind of put that thing in the, in the dynamic Island all the time. I mean, you can't just force something in the dynamic Island that OS controls. You have to use call kit or the now playing interface right. or something right. like that. But once live activities launch, 
somebody could do something like that. Like you said, like a Tamagotchi where the live activity is showing your little Tamagotchi animating all the time. And then it goes up there and uh, at least for 24 hours, like, cause like, cause live activities have like a timeout. They can okay. only be there for like 24 hours or something. It would just sit up there and then and do stuff. <laughs> well, I don't even know. Can, can it do stuff? Can you have it do things inside of the island? Like I know the little call thing moves and like the timer does like gets bigger and smaller. So like if you have like a sports tracking app or something like that, it'll show like the logos of the sports teams. Yes. But I don't know if you can animate that kind of stuff and everything. So I don't know yeah. if you can make a dynamic island, if you can make a live activity where the thing that shows up in the dynamic island, like I don't know how much control right. the developer yeah. has over those things. Right, like like the little pet now, it walks around and it goes to sleep, and I don't think it can mm-hmm. do that. No, it wouldn't be able to move around. It would right. it would have it might be able to animate, but you don't even get to place it in its location because if you launch another background app, it gets moved. The island splits and it gets moved, and the OS handles all that. You don't do that as a developer and everything. So people are probably sitting going, "I don't. Why would I want a little?" <laughs> Pet icon, but the idea once you, the, the, once you have it, you never want them to go away. <laughs> 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 what we're trying to get at is people are getting creative with its yeah. uses. Yeah, and 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 somebody will come out with something. You go, oh, I can't live without this thing. So, <laughs> for, for, like, for like for like Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Already, I feel like this is it's such a home run. But when Apple gets it right, wow! They like and everyone's going to copy this because. The animations are very like they're physical, they're fun, they're fluid and fast, and everything like you know what it's doing. When you minimize an app that's going to go in there, it like gets absorbed into the island in a way that makes sense. And it's it, clear. It, it reminded me of like when we first saw the OS 10 dock how many years ago, 25 years ago, like when yeah. people used to like when someone figured out like if you hold the shift key down, it like slowly minimizes. <laughs> oh, right. Like those yeah. little things. <laughs> Steve Jobs used to use the word delightful all the time. And that's exactly what it is. It's just, it's just delightful to watch. But it also makes it, it's one of those rare things that adds a capability, but it also makes it easier to use your iPhone. Like it's a pain to switch back and forth between apps. Most people that I watch don't understand how to do it quickly. So they're like, they go back to the home screen and reopen their music app because they want to control this or like reopen, like the ability to just tap up there and hop over to the app yep. is awesome. Or yep. press and hold and you get like a control widget. Those are the kind of things that make it easier to do something on your iPhone and access that other thing going on than it ever was before. So it's 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 checking all the boxes. Like it looks awesome, got like slick animations and all that other stuff. It adds features, but it also makes using your iPhone easier. And it doesn't need a lot of explanation. Like it's not, it's pretty discoverable. I think the only thing I worry about is people will miss that you can press and hold. Yeah, I think th- there will be a lot of people who see it and don't realize you can interact. I almost feel like the interaction should be reversed. That a tap yeah, should a just open the widget that. and a hold should do the jump to the app. Let's see. Always on sc- display, digital, dynamic <laughs> island. <laughs> I'm never going to get that right. It's like, I need to enter that as my autocorrect on my <laughs> Mac. What else? Have you guys played around with the cameras at all? A little bit. Um, the weather here has been so terrible, I haven't been able to take as many test pictures as I want. I really enjoy 
the new uh, action camera thing, which is not a pro feature. It's it's on both of the iPhone 14s, the regular and the pro, but it drops the resolution from 4K to like 2.8K. It uses the middle of the sensor and moves the active area around for like extreme stabilization. Like you can be running, you can be shooting a video out a car window or on a boat or something like that. It does an amazing job of really smoothing things out. And I don't know if you're one of those people who've seen a bunch of people vlogging on TikTok or whatever, <laughs> you probably have seen some people who are in desperate need of some video stabilization. So yeah, I, I really like that. I think a lot of people will get a lot of use out of that. That's not one of those edge case things. The 48 megapixel Pro Raw, you have to shoot in Pro Raw. And it mostly looks like the 12 megapixel non-Pro Raw version, unless you're one of those people who like edits a Raw. You you grab the Raw and you open your Lightroom or whatever, and you sit there and tweak things and tune them. If you do that, there's a ton of information in there. You can get a really, really great photo out of it. But if you're a point and shoot kind of person, you don't have a lot of need for 48 megapixels, an 80 megabyte image, <laughs> like one image that's 80 megabytes on your phone. So the act for me, the action mode is like one of those things, that, like everyone will use this. You tap one button, you get super stabilization and you give up a little resolution, still like way better than 1080p or something. So I thought I would be more bothered by the, um, just the enormity of the uh, camera bump, but it's really not that much of a difference. It's it's big. The the iPhone 13 Pro was really really big too. It's not that much bigger. Like in pictures, like I would, uh, particularly Roman did a um, like a like a hands on last week, and I said, "Whoa, that looks really big." But it's it's you know it's like a millimeter or so bigger, but it's not in practice. It's about the same. Yeah, I agree with Jason. They are way too big. I don't really know what to do about that. Like I don't know how to get around that. I remember when the iPhone six came out. And the camera had like a half of a millimeter little ring that popped out and everyone freaked out. And yeah, because you put it flat on a table and yeah, you're like, it like, wobbles. Yeah, ah! yeah. And now yeah. it's like, oh, my goodness, these are so big. <laughs> I kind of feel like you, you just go all the way across the phone so it doesn't wobble. Yeah, uh, Google but, yeah. Pixel, Pixel was a cam- the camera bar and the Pixel. Yeah. That's a, that's a good kind of um, trade-off there. Yep. This is, this is Apple's design now, though, so... Until they change their design, like ultimately this phone looks very much like last year's phone. Design wise, it's kind of the same. I do like the new black. The The black's nice. The space black or whatever. That's not space gray. Now it's space black and it's darker and I like it. It's the darkest they've had in a while and it's good. My main problem with the camera bump is when I put it on a charging stand or something like that, it'll, the lip will catch the lip around the. Right thing or, or the case or whatever, or it doesn't lie flat and it doesn't seat right. And it depends somewhat on what stands you have. Uh, or if a lot of cars come with integrated phone charging pads thing, it makes it harder to kind of get it in the right spot mm-hmm. where it's going to charge. Right. I feel like it gets in the way a little bit more than the 13 did because it's got a bigger bump with a bigger ring protecting it yeah and changing the cluster to be a strip would help alleviate that but i wonder if like that changes like how the internals are laid out and maybe i don't know yeah, yeah it, it might i mean it, it definitely would because on the pixel it's they're like next to each other on the iphone it's that triangular setup but is that okay well, sure maybe jason have you played around with the non because we're, we're talking about pro features here. Anything mm-hmm. to speak of on the 14? I have spent less time playing around with the 14. I, I did a bit um, and I ran benchmarks and stuff like that. 
It's the 13. Like it really, it more than anything else, it didn't get a big update. It did get, it got the wide camera from the 13 Pro and it got, it gets the new front facing camera, which has autofocus and a wider aperture. And then it, it their new software processing engine that, that they call Photonic Engine, it has that stuff, which affects all the cameras. It's the smallest change <laughs> and they've had it a while. I mean, the graphics performance is better because they're using the pro version of the A15. So going from the iPhone 13 non-pro to the iPhone 14 non-pro, you get an extra GPU core. I think they upped the battery sizes, the like the milliamp hours a bit on those. So it um, gets better battery life too. We'll see with when they release the plus, which doesn't come out until October, they say that's the best battery life in any iPhone. Mm-hmm. So the iPhone 13 plus, it's not a, it, it's definitely a, if you don't get the pro models, you don't need an upgrade from last year. It'll be a fine upgrade from your iPhone 11 or something. <laughs> the, um, teardown that iFixit did showed that the iPhone 14, not the iPhone 14 Pro, just the 14 has a completely redesigned internal system. So instead of like it used to be where you took the back off and you had to get through all the everything else to get to the screen. Now each side opens, they called it like a, like a butterfly and the, all the internals are kind of in that like mid area that, that like, that like metal, the metal frame. Yeah. Yeah. The frame. So that's, that's interesting that they did all of that. According to I fix it, and you know you don't have to be just look at it like it's a it's a massive undertaking, and then did nothing else <laughs> to really do anything to the phone. So clearly there's 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 more to it that's coming down the line at some point for this model. But right now we're in a, like a bit of a holding pattern. I mean, they may have done that to make it easier for them to repair screens and Maybe, batteries. But the, the 14 Pro doesn't didn't get that, which is weird, right? Because it's got this whole different stainless steel frame, and the display is different, and the Camera and all that dynamic stuff, sure. island, and so who knows if the 14 gets the 15 gets a dynamic island next year? Like, is that it? Is that the big change then? And everything else is the same. It gets the it gets the A16. Yeah the dynamic island and maybe a little bit of better at battery life or not. And then that's it. Like, is this what we're in store for now for the rest of the line? Uh, like <laughs> pro hand-me-downs. It'll, yeah, it'll get the a 16 and then, and a dynamic island. And then the real advancements will happen in the pro models. So I like, that seems to be where Apple's going with this now, where if you want to see what the next iPhone's going to look like, look at this year's pro. I will say that the a 16 is a massive disappointment to me like as a chips nerd, because it's, it's the, it's like an overclocked A15. That's it. Like there's no architectural magic. They're using TSMC's new four nanometer process, which even TSMC says it's a refinement of our five nanometer process. Like it's not the difference from five to four. You would think the difference from four to three is the same. No, three, three nanometers, like a whole node change. And it's going to have like 40% more transistors per area and all this other big big changes four nanometers like the next it's like five nanometer plus plus uh and you know the benchmarks and stuff it's it's like they just go they just made the maximum clock speed eight percent higher it's got eight percent better cpu performance the gpu performance is the same like eight percent sometimes slightly better because they have lpddr5 which gives you more memory bandwidth but they said the neural engine does 17 trillion operations 
The old one was 15.8, 15.8 plus 8% is 17. Like it's, they just, they just, it's just an overclock day 15. Like what a disappointment that they didn't have any architectural, like cool stuff. Maybe there's neat stuff within the image signal processor, but I can't, I can't think of what that is. The A16 has a photonic engine. So does the 15 because the regular. Yeah, that's all software. That's that's a software lock. They could do that with a- iPhone 13s because they both have the A15. Yeah, it's just a deep uh, fusion thing. Basically, 2.0 is it's all. Yeah, it's, it's all basically deep fusion 2.0. It's it's there. They just have to give it a brand name, but. <laughs> But if it's on the regular iPhone 14s, then they could have done it on the iPhone 13s. I don't know what the difference is. I know what the difference is. Like a, like a thousand bucks. <laughs> oh, uh, did either of you have any issues with eSIM? It took, it took a little bit longer, maybe, than it has in the past. Like as far as the, like literally the time, like that little screen that was spinning. But absolutely issues whatsoever i pressed the button i typed in four digits on my social and that was it you have verizon i think yeah yeah Yeah, i think they have the quick transfer thing um yeah it takes a little longer but it still takes less time than popping out your sim and that's true but the tray i use an mvno i use mint mobile and they're a little bit all over the map different ones but what mine does is you just set up your phone with Wi-Fi, then you open the Mint Mobile app and you quote order an eSIM, which is free and doesn't do, it takes like two seconds. It says ordered, and then here's your eSIM. Do you want to set it up? And you say yes, and then it transfers your phone number to it. So I have the hardest setup process, which is it doesn't automatically happen. It doesn't automatically transfer it from your old SIM card. You just have to open the app and say, tap a couple buttons and I think everything else is easier. You went through your whole setup process and then, and then did the eSIM after you were all loaded. Yep. After I was all loaded, you open Mint Mobile's app and you say, you go to the like order an eSIM, which is, it says order, but it's free and it just digitally sends it to your phone. You just tap a big button that says, yes, and then you tap another button that says, yes, set it up now. And then your phone number is transferred. But that's the hardest thing you're going to have to do is wait a minute and load up your your carrier's app. Yeah, I feel like that's going to be the thing. Once people, when more people get the phones, we're going to hear a little bit more noise about it. Because the process is different for each carrier. Right. I got, my, my parents bought new phones and they didn't ask me. Anything about it? So that's that. That means it went completely smoothly, and they didn't even notice. If you buy it from the carrier, uh, it's gonna, it's just gonna be seamless. Yeah, they they got it through the Apple Store, but probably picked Verizon and opened their phone, turned it on, activated, and it was it was done. Verizon and and a couple of other carriers and MVNOs have the easiest process, which is like the quick the quick transfer. Which during setup, it'll just transfer your thing. If you're just pressing the yes button. It'll it'll go. Yeah, the only thing I had to do is type in the last four digits of my social security number just to verify my account. Ah, that was it. I'm interested in seeing what happens as after people get them and they start doing things like traveling or things like that, where you can get an eSIM by scanning a QR code and stuff like that. 
like a one month prepaid and all those other kinds of things. I have to assume things. that those will be fast tracked, if you will, now that the entire US is, is going to be ACM only. Those will probably start coming out quicker, quickly. But yeah, I agree. That's 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 a problem. I mean, not so much for someone like me who I don't even leave the house anymore. <laughs> but if I were still traveling, that's a it's an issue because popping in those 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 quickie little eSIM us because those quickie little SIM cards were it's important. I think this is going to be the kind of thing that very much like taking the headphone jack off. Other phones are going to make a little bit of hay out of, and then next year they're all going to go to eSIM as well. <laughs> it's going to be it. Uh, the brightness. Have you noticed the weather's been bad here? So I haven't had a lot of bright direct sun, but I had a couple moments where I could go outside and use the screen in direct sun and it cranks up to 2000 nits. And that makes a pretty noticeable difference. Like, I don't know if you've, if you've ever had that thing where it's like, if you're out in direct sun and you're trying to look at your screen in direct sun and like read something and it just, Mm -hmm. you can't see it. The fact that it cranks all the way up to 2000 makes a noticeable difference. I try to capture a comparison image with my DSLR to be like, look, look how different. And you can't see it for like something about that. I can't capture it on film, but I, but you can definitely tell. So that's an appreciate. That's a little thing I appreciate. It's been uh, rainy and cloudy in where I live in San Francisco. So I haven't encountered a bright sunny day i guess that's kind of rare in san francisco as well. that's that's true <laughs> i had i had like a couple hours it's it's been a weird rainy thing ever since i got the phone here but it's uh, there's been a few hours where i deliberately went out and tested it just to just to see and it sure enough that does make a difference the satellite stuff uh it's not out yet you know they made a big deal about it but it's not coming out until software update the satellite SOS stuff. I don't think we're going to test that. Like not deliberately, <laughs> like, like hopefully we won't have a, an occasion to, but we have no plans to test it. I'll approve that expense. If you want to throw yourself into that. Um, uh, it was in uh, iFix's teardown. It's so the satellite stuff is part of the new Qualcomm 5G modem, the X65 modem. And then Apple's doing like pairing that with its own thing. So we knew that it wasn't a, Apple designed 5G modem, but just this confirmation that they're not even doing the satellite end of things. It's all, it's all, it's still, it's still Qualcomm. And um, it's like, I forget if it was a, a software thing or a companion chip that did this. I, I don't remember. It's both. I mean, they're, Apple developed a bunch of software together with um, uh, Global Star. It's Apple's own designed RF antenna chips. Okay. There's about three or four chips involved in all these cellular things there's the modem and then there's like an rf thing and a um it's uh it's so complicated for if you're following the inside baseball of like apple developing their own modem this is a step on the way i guess but they're definitely not using it. it's definitely still qualcomm's modem and i did see uh, a thing where one of the speed testing services out there did test the 13 pro versus the 14 pro and the 14 Pro does give better 5G speeds, up okay. to 20% better, something like that. It's that that was never an issue. I was never feeling like I'm just not getting 5G, you know. <laughs> but but it is a little bit some 20% faster or something like that. I, I will say there was times when I used the 13 that 
where I was in like a sporting event and mm-hmm. it was slow. Not slow is the wrong word, but slower than expected where yeah. uh, tech still hung up a little bit. So, you know, maybe this will help. 5G, we're still not quite at the bandwidth level that we are going to be. It's going to be a little bit of time. It's, it's it's not the iPhone's fault. It's not really anyone's fault. It's just the promise was greater than the delivery. Yeah, the, the hype was so big that they kind of got lost in the hype of saying that like, well, this transition is going to take years because first we have to build 5G on top of the same stuff as the LTE and they're going to be competing. And then we get to build the 5G NA networks, the networks that are just just using 5G for calls and everything else and texts and all that stuff. Uh, and then we have to start freeing up bandwidth from the LTE and then everything will be glorious, you know, and we're somewhere in the middle of that. Yeah, it is definitely better than it was with just LTE. But um, it's still, as Jason said, we're a couple of years away from it being, you know, like you're your home Wi-Fi everywhere. We should uh, maybe bring up some of the software bugs that they've been having because there's been a little bit of a, there's been a few little issues. There's been an issue with the uh, 14 Pro, not the regular 14, having some GPS troubles. It has that new dual enhanced GPS and some people have been finding it like acting really wonky and giving them weird locations. Seems to be maybe related to uh, the 16.1 beta, but it's not totally clear. But yeah, it's yeah, it's there's not been, clear. There's been, re- there's, there's been reports of that. There's definitely been a camera bug. The camera bug that's been Apple has has um, admitted admitted that for for lack of a better word that yeah that that that's going to be fixed next week. It's weird. Like I don't have this issue, but the videos are funky. Like. <laughs> you open up like a, like Instagram or TikTok, and it just start the camera just starts going crazy. The optical image uh, stabiliz- stabilizer, the sensor can't like lock in on something, so it just keeps going. Yeah, it literally makes it. It's weird noise, and it's rattling and vibrating, and it only happens in some third party apps. TikTok and Insta are like the ones that everyone points out, but. Uh, like you said, we tested it and it doesn't happen to us. It's not like it happens to everyone. Right. Uh, and that's weird too. <laughs> like, yeah, right. You would think it would be all or nothing. You yeah. think it'd be all or nothing. But Apple's like, I guess they figured it out and they have a fix in testing and that should be coming out next week. And there's also a bug where people are getting like excessive copy and paste. I, I feel like we've we've seen this at iOS 15 as well. But so there's there's like a system warning where if you try to paste from one app to another, you get like a dialogue box that says, hey, this is going to happen. And apparently people were getting just excessive notifications and, and, and alerts that say, hey, you're going to paste from this app to the as you sure you want to do that and they keep yes 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 and it keeps happening so that that's also going to be fixed 15 added that notification that said this app is pasting from your clipboard and now 16 they've made it a permission pop up that says do you want to let it paste and you can say no because you couldn't say no before you would see the notification go like well what am i supposed to do about this just to not use this app i guess now you can say no but that's popping up constantly for some people, again, a, a strange thing that like some people, it's totally happening. And then if we tried it. It's not doing anything to me, but fixes incoming for those things. This is like we say, you know, when iOS 16 rolls out, if you're an early adopter and you're excited about it, it's not a problem. But if you have to ask if you should wait, it's not going to hurt to wait a week or two. You can't get away from it if you're buying an iPhone 14. It comes with it. You just you're waiting on these fixes. But for everyone else. Wait for next week's update. 
Well, that does it for this episode of the Macworld Podcast, episode 809. Thanks to Jason Cross. Thank you. Thanks to Michael Simon. Thank you, sir. And thanks to you, the audience. Thank you for tuning in. You can subscribe to the Macworld Podcast in the podcast app on Spotify, on Amazon Music, or through any other podcast app. If you have any comments or questions, send us an email at podcast at macworld.com or contact us through Twitter, that's at Macworld, or on the Macworld Facebook page. Join us in the next episode of the Macworld Podcast as we talk about the latest in the world of Apple. See you next time. <laughs>